Hello and welcome back to livealittlehigher.com. Today we read Parashah Shelach and it starts saying, Send forth men, if you please, for yourself and let them spy out the land of Canaan. And Rashi explains that the word leha, which means send for yourself, means according to your own counsel and discretion. So we see here that when Moshe asked God if he should send spies to scout the land of Israel before they entered, Hashem was not so happy about it. He felt that there was really no need to send anybody to scout the land before they went into war with the, with the nation of Canaan so they could conquer the land. He said to them, the land is good. Like, and the reality was that the people had a lack of trust and a lack of faith in God. And this is why at the end God gave in and he said to Moshe, okay, if this is what you want, let them go. But know that I am not uh, in favor of this. I don't see a need to do it. Uh, but nevertheless, if this is what you want, then go ahead. No? And we see here <clears throat> that Rashi, that uh, as indicated by Rashi, God said, I Hashem told them that the land is good, but they do not trust me. While Hashem was not pleased with the people's determination to send the spies uh, to the land, which he has told them is good. Nonetheless, he permitted them to go. And history proved that the people had seriously erred, something for which we are still paying for till the day, till today. And this entire episode of the Meraglim coming back with a false report, they came with Lashon Ara, they were talking evil about Israel. They came back to the people and they, they came to say to them, we found a giants, there's a land full of giants, of giant fruit and uh, it's a land that consumes in its inhabitants because people were dying and they were burying them. And, and they, the only thing they had in their eyes was to see what was wrong with the place instead of looking at what was good with it. And if Hashem uh, realized that they were going to come back with this report, nevertheless, he allowed them to come back and to give it to the people. And the people started crying for no reason. They started crying. And Hashem decreed, okay, if you're going to cry for no reason, you're crying based on nothing, I'm going to give you a reason to cry for the rest of your lives. And this is the 9th of Av, Tisha B'Av, which is the national mourning day of, uh, of the Jewish religion. It's a day that is full of calamities since that fateful night that the spies came. It's a day in which we have seen a lot of, of pain in, in, in Jewish history. So... The question is, if Hashem was not happy and Moshe was aware of this, why did Moshe allow the people to, to send the spies? So furthermore, we even find later in Sefer Devarim that Moshe had no problem sending the spies. He was okay with sending the spies. So Hashem surely knew that this mission was going to be a complete fiasco. Nevertheless, he allowed them to go also. So the question is, why did Hashem agree? What, what was going on here? And then we see there's a collection of essays written by Harav Jacob Weinberg called Forever His Students, in which he gives us a fundamental lesson in Jewish philosophy, in which he says that Hashem deals with each person according to their spiritual position. God doesn't expect from us something that we're not, that, that we're not in that level yet. He understands that people are at this level, so I'll deal with them at this level. And, and Hashem felt that the people had made an ineffective decision, 
Yet once they made the decision, he dealt with them according to their present situation. So here we have to understand one thing. These people that we're talking about were not like regular people like you and me. These were geniuses. These were the best of the best. They were brilliant. The spies, they were the richest men, the most uh, prestigious men, they were intelligent, they were wise, they were religious. How can people like this end up doing what they did? How, how could people that were in such a high level of spirituality, knowledge, everything could fall down so low? And, um, and the answer is that, uh, that they had a lack of, of, of faith in God. They lacked. Human nature is human nature. And we see from here, like, I'll give you an analogy. For example, you're going on a vacation to the most spectacular place in the world where there's a million incredible reviews of the place. And nevertheless, you don't feel comfortable going there without sending someone before you to go and look for themselves and come back with a report to you to tell you what they ate, what they did every day, how they, if they had a good time or they didn't have a good time. The Jewish people had been wandering the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, lacking nothing. They had a, a miraculous survival. They, they lacked nothing. They were not cold. They were not hot. They were fed. They were clean. How can it be that these people lacked in a in a, in a muna and bitahon in, in trusting God and in in, in in and in faith? So Hashem deals with each person in the place they are at, and not only that, He takes us in the ways we want to go. So if you want to be an astronomer, He'll gonna give you every opportunity to be an astronomer. If you want to be a thief. He's going to give you every opportunity to be a thief. So we design the playing field in which we're going to play our life, and that's up to us. So we see here, and I'm always very, very curious with uh, human behavior. I've, it's something that's always mesmerized me. I've always loved to understand why people act in the ways they act or why I acted in the way I did. I love to look at what triggers people to do what they do. And interestingly, this parasha gives us a very good answer of why they did what they did. And there's a pasuk that says, we were like grasshoppers in our eyes, and so we were in their eyes. So this fast hemis takes a somewhat psychological approach towards understanding what happened here. And it says that the night that the Meraglim returned the lines were drawn and debate and sued because they came with this false report. They came saying horrendous things about the land of Israel. And the, 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 the Klal Israel uh, was scared to go into war because they felt they would never be able to win this war with the, with the, with the, with the people of Canaan. And they felt like grasshoppers in their eyes. And they felt also that they saw them as grasshoppers. So here we see that the that they didn't want to go in because they had a very low self-esteem. They didn't feel they could do it on their own. And we see here that Hashem was taking care of them in the desert. They were very comfortable. They wanted to stay in the desert. They didn't want to go into the land of Israel where they had to start working, preparing the land, making a living, sweating. They didn't want this. They were very happy in the desert. They went, they dwelt in tents. There was no material existence. They were not needing to buy this or buy that. And everything was given to them and they could sit and learn Torah all day. And they were happy with that. 
So they didn't want to really make an effort to go into a place where they had to leave the miraculous existence and go into the natural way of life. Because once they passed that threshold, then Hashem would step back and they, He would allow these people to live a natural existence. And this is what they really didn't want. And they didn't have faith in themselves because they didn't think they could they were going to be able to do it. They, they really were scared that they, were, weren't, they weren't going to be able to win a war and go into a land and make a living and live like you and me. So we see here also that's uh, something interesting to note uh, that everything boils down to Jewish pride. Really the root of the problem was Jewish pride. And unfortunately when one is infused with feelings of ina inadequacy, he does not see beyond himself and he does not see the full context of the greater picture. And we have seen it through history that Jewish pride is something that really takes us up. It doesn't matter what happens to the Jewish people, but if we have Jewish pride and love of Torah, we, we will be able to withstand any, any storm and we will be able to flourish and continue our lives. But if we're lacking in this, then we won't be able to, to survive. So the answer is that they had, that they had the, the Torah, the people that have been able to continue, is because they are clinging to Torah, to Torah values and Torah teachings, and they continue uh, living a Jewish life. So we see here that the King, King David, he says it in Tehillim, Praiseworthy are those who sit in your house. More will be praised for you forever. Ashrei is defined as praise, and the word odem means more. Does we say that the praise of the Almighty is an expression of odem moreness? So what does it mean to be more? It doesn't mean that you're more rich, that you're more intelligent, that you have achieved everything in your life. What it means here, the power of Ode really means that you are a person that lives up with uh, his, his potential, that you use maximum of your divine endowed abilities. And when a person is living with excellence in his life, he is an Ode. He's a person that lives, he will be able to go more than his expectations. So in life, we really don't need to be perfect. Perfection is something that is not good for us. Perfection is only Hashem. There's no such thing as anything perfect in a human existence. And people look for perfection and they, and they get very, uh, they get anxious and they get depressed because they can't get to be perfect. And in reality, we don't need to be perfect. Hashem doesn't want us to be perfect. That's not the point of life. Hashem wants us to be excellent. Excellent in what you are able to be. To live up to who you really are. And this achievement is realized when, he, when we dwell in the house of Hashem. Because we come to realize that we are not going to be excellent if we don't grab to God. Because the one that gives us excellence is Hashem. He's the one that gives us the opportunity. He's the one that gives us our personality, our, achieve, the, 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 our, our, our potential. He's the one that gives us all this. So excellence really comes from God. The Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe or Schneer Salman of Liadi, makes a very interesting observation concerning the extremes of joy and depression. So in the Talmud, Eruvim, there's a whole a discussion of the sages, they discuss the various forms of measurements and they're called Amah. 
and all amas are comprised of six tefahim. So each being approximately the size of one fist. So six fists make one ama. And there are, however, two types of closed fists. There is one that is tightly closed fist and there's one that is loosely um, closed fist. So the difference between one and the other is really a third of a finger. It's not very much. But Hassan refers to these two fists as an ama, so heket, and literally a smiling ama, and an ama otseves, a depressed ama. So the Alter Rebbe brings a deeper meaning to this analogy, this metaphor of the measurements. And he says that a depressed person's face is long, tall, scrunched up, well, uh, like this, right? If you see a person that, does, that doesn't look happy, it's like very constricted, very tied up. But the person that is happy, his face is relaxed, he looks young, he looks uh, relaxed. You know, he looks happy, he smiles, he doesn't only smile, he makes other people smile. So when a person smiles, his face and indeed his entire body expand. It's something that is expansive. While a person that is not happy, that is, uh, that is um, depressed, is, it's the other way around. It's scrunched up, it's constricted. So the Balatani explains that this expansion is not merely physical. It's not only the body, but it is also spiritual because a person's face is the reflection of his soul. And when a person is happy, the powers and abilities of his soul expand, resulting in a physical expression. So when a person is happy, he has more connection to God. He has more a connection to his inner self, to his inner potential. He can achieve so much. But when a person is depressed in the, in, in the contrary, his soul shrivels and constricts. It's the, the, not only him, but the soul too becomes little. And his powers and abilities are now limited. So, and his face crumples. Also, when a person is happy, a metamorphosis occurs and he's transformed into a very different person. So, joy doesn't mean that you're happy all day and laughing all day. No, joy means that you have an inner love for yourself. It means that you have an inner connection to God. It means that you feel that you're good in this world. It means that you have a purpose to fulfill. It means that you're grateful to be breathing. That means joy, to be really joyful person. It's a person that has a connection with God. But when a person feels disconnected from the world, feels that his life means zero, that he's not good enough, that he has no connection to God, that he's not good enough for Hashem to love him, then this person cannot come to live up to his potential. On the contrary, he's going to be living away from his potential. So a person who is happy, tolerates whatever he confronts, he's in an expanded state of being and he's able to transcend adversity and challenge, suddenly his enemies become his friends and his troubles becomes opportunities and his pain is a stepping stone for spiritual growth. So a happy person is a person that's going to look at everything as an opportunity to connect to God. In the contrary with the Meraglim when they came into the land of Israel, they were depressed. They were not happy people because if they would have been happy people, they would have been looking at the opportunity in the land, being grateful that Hashem has taken them there, be happy that God is giving them the land of Israel. And they would have seen everything in a complete different way. So we see here that 
that one who is in the, the in a state of depression is constricted and he has no patience he cannot listen he does not think straight and everything is a problem and even the sm smallest obstacle is insurmountable he cannot even um, achieve anything so the greatest person can overnight become very small and that is what occurred that night in the wilderness it was the genesis of Tisha B'Av our national day of mourning and grief we felt like grasshoppers and our whole world came tumbling, tumbling down on us and only one thing can pull us out of that abyss of depression which is the joy that comes with embracing the Torah so we have to be the, the biggest mitzvah is to serve Hashem with joy. But what does it really mean to serve Hashem with joy? Is that every time we do a mitzvah, we feel grateful that we can do a mitzvah. We feel happy we have a connection to God, that we can call Him up and get close to Him. That is what it means to serve Hashem with joy. Not that you have to put on tefillim or you have to put on a kippah and you're like, oh no, why do I have to look Jewish? What is other people going to think about me? Or, or a woman has to to cook kosher meal for her house, she has to cook for Shabbat, and she says, I'm so tired, I don't want to do this, and you know, why can't I just go out to a restaurant on Shabbat? But when you say, oh Baruch Hashem, thank you, thank you Hashem, you're giving me these opportunities to serve you, to be close to you, to be connected to you, this is the way I, I have a relationship with you, then we'll be able to live in a very joyful way. And we will never be scared of anything, we will know that Hashem is taking us in our lives to do everything He needs us to do, and we'll do it with joy. And at the end of the parasha, something very interesting, Hashem puts certain mitzvot that He expects us to follow, and He talks about three mitzvot that are very important. One is, is uh, tzitzit, which is the undergarment the men use with the with the teheles that hang around, and this is to remind men about their commitment to God, about the commandments and how they have to keep uh, mitzvot. And we have the mitzvah of hala, of baking hala, which is a woman's mitzvah. So he's giving us a man's mitzvah and a woman's mitzvah of women baking hala every, every Erev Shabbat for Shabbat. And this is a big connector to God and to your home. And then he gives us the mitzvah of the importance of visiting the cover of the tzaddikim, the, the, the graves of the tzaddikim. And we see from here that the two spies that were not affected by this whole thing going on was Caleb and Yehoshua. And Caleb, what is the first thing he did when he came into the land of Israel was to go and visit the cover of our patriarchs in Hebron. Then that's where he gets his emuna from his from his ancestors, and he knows that Hashem has a plan for him. He has a, a there's a purpose, there's a journey, and he's going there to pray and to ask God to give him the strength to be able to fulfill his purpose. So from here we see we see the problem in the parasha, and we see the antidote to that problem. And the Rebbe Lubavitch he used to say, if you have any problem in in your life, go to Torah. If you have a headache, learn Torah. If you have financial problems, learn Torah. If you have Shalom Bayit problems, learn Torah. For every problem you have in your life, stick yourself to Torah. This is the biggest, biggest medicine that Hashem has ever given us. So I wish you a beautiful and blessed week. And remember, live a little higher. Thank you.